Hey, Transform Podcast listeners. We weren't able to record a new episode this week. So instead, we asked our community what one of their favorite sermons was, and this is what they selected. We'll be back next week with a new episode. All right. So how many of you snowboard or ski? You can raise your hand. I'm going to see how many of you are brave enough to do that in church. Um, So that was, it's like this morning at chapel, it was like 95% of the children in the K through 8. And so uh, we take advantage of the beautiful uh, Rocky Mountains in this area. And so growing up, I didn't snowboard or ski. Uh, My friends, uh, basically one day in high school, I think I was about 14 or 15, uh, they just said, hey, Andrew, uh, we know you're, you're good at football and basketball, but we're going to take you snowboarding, and we're going to just leave you in the dust. Uh, So basically, they just said, here you go. Uh, They didn't teach me how to do heel, toe, nothing. Uh, And then they just said, see you later. Peace out. Uh, And then they left me in the dust, and so the whole day, it was tumbling, crashing, burning all day long. Uh, There was no no zigzagging at all available to me, Um, and it was a long day. Uh, It was one of those days where it's like, all right, unless I get some knowledge and skills, this is going to be very damaging to my body. Um, And then in addition, over time, though, I got got better, and I could kind of keep up with them. And then I would remember we would get to a place Uh, you guys know that there's parts of the mountain that are marked off, right? And it says, danger, don't go that way, right? So it's marked off, and you're not supposed to go that way. Now, uh, thankfully, um, 95% of the time, uh, we said, okay, we're going to do a U-turn here. We're going to change our direction. We're going to do a U-turn here because... If we go down this pathway, uh, we could die. (laughs) Like, we're going to change our direction because if we go down that way, at minimum, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, So in our text uh, that we just read a moment ago, in verses 8 through 10, four times the word turn shows up. It's a U-turn. It's a repentance. That's what repentance means. It means you're going in one direction, but then you're like, all right, I don't think this is going to bless my life. I need to change. So my question for you tonight is, what's your direction? What's your direction in life? What's your direction in this season of your life? Uh, and it could be that you know if you, if you stop and you think and you examine yourself, relationally, physically, uh, financially, ethically, morally, in all of those kind of areas of life, if you thought about it, you might say, yeah, I probably need to change this. Maybe it is something that is a secret thing you're doing or something that no one knows about. But what is it in your life where you're like, I need to change this or else, man, it's not going to end well for me. Uh, In addition, sometimes it's a blind spot. Sometimes we don't even know it. We may be headed down a a bad road. We're not even aware of that bad road. It could be that a friend or a family member that you trust needs to point it out to to you or to point it out to me or to us so that we have that wake-up call and we change our direction. In the city of Nineveh, this is in ancient Assyria, 
they really needed to change their direction. There was a lot of violence uh, with people on the streets, neighbors fighting. Uh, They would go to war against innocent nations. Um, And so kind of like how uh, many nations in the world were outraged over Russia just going into Ukraine, Uh, basically Nineveh was just like that. They practiced slavery, so there were people being enslaved left and right. So there was a lot of change in direction that was needed for this city. It was the capital of Assyria. And so Jonah is a prophet, prophet of God, with a message from God. God sent him to this nation to give them a warning. The prophets who share the word of God often are giving a warning. So if you're hearing a a preacher and he never has any warnings, then he's probably not preaching the scriptures. The scriptures are going to have some warnings. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 4, let's go back over it. It says this. It says, Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, and he says, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Okay, so he's saying, if you guys don't change in 40 days, a big-time disaster is coming. In the same way, as we go into the season of Lent, it encompasses 40 days. 40 days, and then we know that it culminates in Good Friday, where Jesus dies on the cross for the entire sin of the entire world. Okay, so then, as we embark upon this Ash Wednesday Lenten season, I think God would have us ask, why is it that Jesus had to die for our sin? Why is it that Jesus had to shed his blood to make atonement for our sin? And so, then as we examine ourselves, it will lead us to say, man, there, there must be something that we need to change. There must be something that we need to repent of. There must be something that we need to make right. Um, my, my parents uh, come from uh, the country of Lebanon. And when someone dies in Lebanon, people wear black for like weeks, sometimes months. So, like, if someone really wants to show that they're mourning, they'll, they'll wear black for a long time. It's, black is actually the international color of mourning in a lot of nations. And so it's a sign that you're like, you're really sorrowful. You're really sad. You, you have sorrow in your heart over what is going on. In addition, check out verses 5, verse 5 and 6. It says this, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. Okay, so they're, they're going to fast from food. And put on sackcloth. That is, they're going to wear a tire that doesn't look like they're going to, like, a party. <laughs> and it says, From the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and look at this, he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Okay, so these ashes are kind of like that external symbol that 
Like, they're taking this repentance seriously. It is a conviction in your heart that you're grieved over the sin that is going on, and you have sorrow for it, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm taking this seriously. So, in other words, it's, it's not like a, a margarita night, but it's fasting with sackcloth and ashes. You have conviction, and it, 2 Corinthians 7 says, a godly grief that produces repentance. And so, the narrative in chapter 3 ends up with verses 8 and 10. And this is actually the king who repents, as you saw previously. But then look at what he says to the nation. He says this. He says, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn. That's interesting that that's the same word that's used for our turning. Not that God has sinned, but we're going to see that he's going to relent. It says, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. Okay, so just as many nations in the world had anger over Russia invading Ukraine, so in the same fashion God has anger over Nineveh and Assyria and how they're very oppressive. And it says, so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So the nation repented with ashes. The nation turned. And you may be thinking, how is it that they turned? Just like the whole, like, the whole, like all of them just turned. Historians note that in Assyria, prior to this, there were famines, there were plagues, there were revolts, there were eclipses. So God was ripening them for this warning. God was ripening them for, all right, let's, you guys got to wake up or else there's going to be a disaster that's coming. What I would liken what happened in Nineveh to is an Old Testament revival. An Old Testament revival where they basically examined themselves, said, we're going to repent of our sins, and we're going to regain our, our belief in God, a spiritual hunger for God in our lives. In 1907, what I have a picture of on the screen is a revival in Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea. There was hatred that the people there had towards the Japanese at this time the minister got up and invited them to repent of their hatred towards the Japanese people. The gospel had not led them to forgive the Japanese in the past. They felt morally superior to the Japanese at this time. During the revival, they received the gospel. And here's the fruit of it. They returned home. They repaired relationships and they returned stolen articles to the people that they had stolen from. Worship was filled with new power, and the church experienced explosive growth. For example, the Methodist church doubled in size in a single year. So that would be like the Lutheran church has 4 million members, but then in one year, we now had 8 million. In addition... 
You probably heard about this revival here on the news just recently. This is in Asbury in Kentucky. And so for 13 days, there's a chapel service that occurred 13 days at the beginning of it. And the students just said, we want to just keep worshiping the Lord. And so they kept worshiping. And they kept reading scripture. And they kept getting a, another preacher to preach. And they kept praying. And they kept praying for people. They witnessed healings. They witnessed people reconciling. And what I observed from this is you got Bible reading, scripture, teaching, and prayer. And so we pray that it's genuine. It looks very biblical. Um, it's now had to be moved off of the campus because people were coming to this all over the nation, but from other countries of the world. And this is a small college in a small town. And so this is, a, this is an example of people in our nation saying, God, we want hunger for you. We want hunger for you. We want hunger for the things that you're about. We want to love the things that you love. We want to hate the things that you hate. We, you created us. We are here because of you. And so, before we get to that, how many of you, uh, you've been told you talk in your sleep? Or maybe you know somebody in your family who talks in their sleep. Um, maybe you walk around in your sleep. Maybe you go down to the kitchen and make a meal and go back to sleep. Um, what I would tell you is this. Our nation, Christians, were spiritually asleep. And I want to invite you to read this scripture with me tonight. Let's read, these, let's read these verses together. We're going to go from verse 14 to 21. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What this passage is saying to us is this, awake. During this season of Lent, awake. God the Holy Spirit is going to awaken us to, to God and to serve him and to love him and to worship him in our lives and to be about his purpose and to be about his glory and then I would tell you this, Jesus says this in the New Testament. He says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because he, he was responding to a bunch of people that didn't respond to the apostles at this time. But he says, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something or someone greater than Jonah is here. 
And so, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, and then he came out, so Jesus was in the heart of the earth, and he then rose again. He is victorious, and I'll boldly say it because we're free in Christ. He boldly rose from the dead, victorious over your sin, victorious over death, victorious over everything that's assaulting us. His victory is your victory. His victory is our victory. And I would tell you this, that the same Jesus who rose again from the dead, he comes to live inside of you. He makes you alive. He gives you new life. He gives you new affections. He gives you new power. He gives you new ability. He gives you a new mind. It is a great thing to have the Son of God living in you to empower you. And so circling back to the beginning of the sermon where I asked the question, what's your direction? And we all kind of had a, a couple seconds to think about, all right, where is somewhere in our, my life where I need to change directions? Here, here's what I would tell you tonight. God the Holy Spirit is saying, you can change. God the Holy Spirit is saying, you don't have to go in that direction. That direction, there's danger. Come with me. I love you. I forgive you. I've saved you. You're mine. Come with me. And as you examine yourself tonight on this Ash Wednesday, I would ask you these questions. What is taking away from your spiritual hunger? If you just thought about that for a moment, repent of that. What is it that if you don't stop doing it, like disaster's coming and you know it? Repent of that. Is there someone that you hate in your life right now? God teaches us to love and to forgive. Repent of that. What's your direction? Here's what I would tell you. God says this throughout the scriptures. He invites our direction to be to him. Upward. And he says, return to me. For I am slow to anger and I am abounding in steadfast love. And I am abounding in grace and mercy and compassion. That mercy and compassion is yours. That mercy and compassion is mine. And may that peace be with you tonight. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may he guard your hearts, may he guard your mind through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.